please take your seats. Well, we've got a couple of uh, excellent Sundays coming up, as you've already heard from Christian. Next Sunday evening, Robert Sledden is back, so that's great to have him back. He's going to be with us. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> he's going to be with us uh, over the period of August, so he's next, next Sunday evening. And then the Sunday evening after, at the 5 o'clock, and in the evening, uh, R.T. Kendall is going to be ministering. So it might be worth coming a little bit earlier for those of you that maybe not come to the 5 o'clock normally. I'd encourage you to come a little bit earlier for the 5 o'clock. Hear his teaching as well as his ministry in the, in, 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 at the 7 o'clock. You want to make the most of a ministry like R.T. Kendall. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, may he live till he's 100. But, amen. But we want to make the most of this ministry. Uh, if you understand what I'm saying, we want to enjoy what he's got for us. So I encourage you to come to the five and seven next week. You will not be uh, disappointed. Sorry, not, well, come to the five next week. Five o'clock next week, it's the Sermon on the Mount, but it's Praise Olatona is teaching that for me because I'm on a holiday for the next two weeks, if that's all right, if you don't mind. Well, I'm here this week, but the next two weekends, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go on a holiday. If you do mind, I'm going on holiday anyway. And if you need me, I'm in Madeira, so, you know, feel free to drop by. <laughs> I'm going to deliver a word to you tonight, and then after that, Christian's going to come and lead us in a time of ministry. So I want to get straight to that word, and I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4 and verse... 32. John chapter 4 and verse 32. Or 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is a very powerful statement. I want to unpackage it for you tonight. In order to unpackage what Jesus is talking about when he says, I have food to eat that you don't know of. He had food that the disciples didn't know of. They had never heard of this food that Jesus was talking about. In order to properly understand that, we have to go a little bit back earlier in the, in the story because Jesus is talking about food, but just a short while earlier, he was talking about water, wasn't he? Do you remember the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well? There she is, uh, the picture of her behind me. So let's just go and read that story. I want to talk about the water and I want to talk about the food um, tonight. So... Jesus is sitting by a well. This is chapter 4, verse 6, John. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, 
you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water, uh, this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. We know the rest of the story. If you don't read on, uh, he, 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 he speaks into the, her life. They speak about worship. And in the end, the woman believes in Jesus and returns to that village to tell everybody that she's found the Messiah. And then, of course, the men from the village come out to see what Jesus is going to say for themselves. So here, as he speaks to this woman, he speaks to her about water. And of course, a lot of John's gospel speaks about natural things and spiritual things. And very often in John's gospel, people aren't thinking spiritually. They're naturally bound. All they can think about is the earth and the natural experience that they have around them. I mean, uh, think about Nicodemus, for example. He was a great rabbi, and he couldn't understand what Jesus was speaking about when Jesus says, you must be born again. All he could think of is, how do I get back into my mother's womb? How can I be physically born again? And so we see again and again in John's gospel that people are not thinking spiritually. Why? Because they're carnal in their mind. Because to them, all that's real is the natural world which is around them, what they can touch, see, taste. So time and time again, when Jesus speaks from things of things from above, all they can think of is things from below. And here, when he speaks to this woman and asks her for a drink to satisfy his natural thirst, and she's surprised, of course, we know the story, most of us. She's surprised because Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. And, uh, but Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, The gift of God. What is the gift of God? It is a drink. The gift of God is a drink. If you knew the gift of God, what's the gift of God? The gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you'd ask him, and he would give you living water. I mentioned this last week, I think, that the word living water actually is flowing water. Flowing water. And so when Jesus said, You'd have asked me, I'd give you flowing water. Does she think spiritually? No. As in John's gospel, many times people just think naturally. And she says, wait a second. Where are you going to get flowing water from? She's still thinking about the natural well that, um, that, that quenches natural thirst. That's what she's thinking of. And she says, what, you, you greater than our father Jacob? You're going to dig us a new well? She thought he was going to dig a well. Those wells are really deep. And she was like, you sitting here, you're going to dig a well. She was thinking naturally. Where are you going to get this flowing water, the flowing water that fed the well deep down in, in the ground? 
And uh, Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Talking about the water that satisfies you naturally. And we know that you drink water, but you thirst again. But he says this profound statement. I know that to many of us here tonight and watching tonight, that this is a well-known verse. But I, don't, I want to come at it differently. I don't want us, just because it's well-known, doesn't mean it hasn't got something to teach us. And he says, whoever drinks of this water uh, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst. Never thirst. So we see the gift of God is a drink. The gift of God. God has a drink for this thirsty world. What? He's got a natural well. He's not talking about natural water that supplies natural thirst. He's talking about something that deals with the spiritual thirst of men and women. Obviously, without physical water, you can't exist. Isn't it 70% or something of our body is water? Without natural water, you can't exist. You can go quite a long way without food, can't we? And I'm coming to that, back to that. You can go quite a long while without food. Many, you know, but you can't go very long without water. And so spiritually, Jesus is saying, there is a gift of God, a drink of water that will satisfy your spiritual needs. It's called the gospel. It's called forgiveness of sins. It's called being born again. It's called being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his light. It's called being saved by the power of his spirit. And Jesus is saying that just one sip will quench your eternal thirst forever. One sip, one draft, one drink, and your thirst will be quenched forever. And in verse 15 she says, oh, well give me this water that I, I may not thirst and come here to draw. She's still thinking naturally. She's thinking that would be great. I don't have to come out here in the middle of the day because I have to come out in the middle of the day because I'm, I'm treated as a prostitute in the village so I can't go in the cool of the morning with the rest of the women. I'm ostracized and alienated. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have this magical water so that I would never have to draw from this, this, this well again? But she was missing the point. She'd get to the point, but she was missing the point. This water, you see, why, why was it just one sip? Because the water, or the gift, the free gift of God, the water of eternal life, once you sip it, the water drunk becomes something within the person that drank it. One sip of this water, and what happens? But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. Why? Because the water that I shall give him will become in him or her a fountain of water springing up into an everlasting life. Often when people talk about how to be saved and all the major religions offer forms of salvation, but the forms of salvation that they offer is a continuous act of salvation of trying to please God, trying 
to stay saved. You get saved. You say saved. Or, or you keep doing things to get saved. You keep having to try to be saved. But what Jesus is saying is, it's a gift, number one. You don't earn heaven. You don't earn salvation. Salvation is not earned. Salvation is a free gift. And how do you receive this free gift? Just one drink. Just one drink of the free gift. And you don't have to come back for another drink to stay saved. You don't have to do more. You don't have to keep coming back to get more grace to be saved. You know, in some brands of Christianity that don't really understand the free gift that we're talking about tonight, you have to continue to, to go back to get more grace. You have to take more Mass, you have to give more confession, you have to do this, you have to do, you have to keep coming back for more saving grace. To keep your saving grace topped up. That's the teaching of Roman Catholicism. Thank God for all the saved priests and nuns and saved Catholics. Thank God for them. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the teaching and doctrine of that church, which teaches people that they have to keep coming back to the sacraments to keep topped up. Because if they don't come back to the sacraments, they may well lose their salvation. But Jesus says, just one drink. Just one drink of this gift. And you'll never thirst again. Why? Because one taste of this drink, one sip of this drink, and a miracle takes place on the inside. You drink, and then what the water does is the water that you've drunk becomes. The water I shall give him will become in you a fountain of water, an everlasting fountain of water that, that will never run out, never run dry, of eternal life, of salvation. Once you sip... Of this gift of God, the water that God gives, then within your innermost being is a well of salvation that can never run dry. It's always there. You are saved forever. You can never say, oh, I tasted, I drank the gift of salvation, the water, the living water. I took a sup a sip, and I was saved, but I've run dry, and I've lost my salvation, and I need to find that well again. I need to go to the well of salvation again, and take another drink, and oh, I'll take another drink, I'm saved, but how long will this water that I've drank now keep me saved? What do I have to do to stay saved? Uh, what, what, will I have to come back here again and again and again to stay saved? But Jesus says this incredible thing. One sip and you're saved forever. You're saved and, and you'll never thirst again for eternal life. Because there is a flowing river of Holy Spirit life flowing through you. An everlasting source of salvation, forgiveness, and righteousness that comes from Jesus himself.
a gift to drink inexhaustible fountain of life no people had been drinking from all types of wells in order to find what life was people had been drinking at the wells of love success wealth fame these wells that people turn to for spiritual satisfaction because everybody is seeking spiritual satisfaction it is the greatest driving force of your life it drives you everyone is seeking salvation everyone oh, i'm not seeking salvation yes you are all i'd have to do is examine your life it's where you think salvation comes from it's what you think life is all about they're out there right now all over the city seeking life some people think life comes from money some people think it comes from recreation entertainment relationships philosophy family they think that's what life is about and they're drinking at those wells but those wells run dry those wells never satisfy you have to keep going back because the only thing that satisfies your eternal thirst is Jesus Christ crucified raised risen again and so he offers her this gift and remember I really want this to get into your mind it's a gift if you knew the gift of God what is the gift of God flowing water you would ask me you would drink and you would never thirst again that's powerful it's the gift of god tonight you're going to have a chance if you need to if you have not sipped of this water it's a gift for you and you can have it this evening and all you have to do is believe in your heart that's how you drink you just believe you just believe that Jesus is who he said he was. You just believe that he died on the cross for your sins 2000 years ago. Carried what you're carrying right now, your sins. That will that if you die in your sins, you will you will if you die in your sins, you will remain in your sins in a place of eternal torment forever and ever and ever. And I tell you what, it's a thirsty place hell. It is a thirsty place hell. Hell is a real place and those that reject Christ will go there and they will remain there forever and ever and ever. Jesus said where their worm will not die and their fire will not be quenched. It's a horrific place. It's a terrible place. Thank God there's a way out. that God sent his son that whoever believes in him has passed from judgment to life and the eternal fires are quenched for you the moment you believe the moment you take a sip of the living water the flowing water of the free gift then you need not fear hell ever There's nothing that you could do to end up there if you've taken the drink of faith of Christ crucified uh, and raised again but we even know the parable of Lazarus remember that the rich man and Lazarus and what the rich man 
What was the thing he noticed most about, about being in hell? Thirst. Thirst. He said, please, to Abraham and us, please, just one drop. One, the raging thirst of that rich man who all his life had drunk at the well of worldly pleasure. He drunk at the well of fortune, ease. He had all those things. He had everything. He was drinking from the well of the world and everything it had to offer. While Lazarus was at the gates with his sores. The only thing he had that, that alleviated the pain was dogs licking his sores. Horrendous. It is a horrendous, incredible parable. But then Lazarus entered into paradise. But this rich man had a raging thirst. He's there now. Do you know that? Take, I take no pleasure in preaching this truth. No pleasure. But that rich man is there right now. With the same thirst he had 2,000 years ago. It's a thirsty place, hell. Oh, but thank God, you don't need to go there. You don't need to experience eternal thirst. But your eternal thirst can be quenched in a moment of heart faith. Oh, this is serious. God's saving power is serious. God wasn't playing around. God wasn't saying, oh, I'll send my son. Then I'll send another prophet, Muhammad. Then I'll do a bit of Hinduism. And you just take your pick. There's only one way to the Father, and his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is no other way to be saved. Not my words, the words of the gospel. There's only one living water. It's the gift of God, and the only place you can get it is by asking Jesus. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, and who's talking to you, you would ask him and he would give you the living water. Nobody can give you the living water except the living Jesus. But if you ask him, he will give it to you. You will taste and then forever your salvation will be secured forever. You won't have to keep finding wells to get saved at. Your good days, your bad days. On fire for the Lord, backslidden, doesn't make any difference. The well's still flowing. One drink, one gift. <laughs> powerful, powerful. And so, anyway, they, they discuss. And uh, she goes her way to tell the people in the village. Now, while she's going away to the village, and we've spoken about water there. While she's doing that, the disciples... They're doing something totally different. Jesus is by the well of natural water, offering the gift of living water or flowing water, the gift of eternal life. While he's doing that, they're on a hunt for food, not water, food. They probably thought, well, Jesus, we'll meet you by the well, Jesus. So we've got the water all sorted out. What we really need is food. So we'll meet you. You've got the water there. You sit, but you go and take yourself over to the well. Relax. You've been ministering hard. Go and have a drink. We'll go get some food, meet you by the well, and we'll be able to eat and drink. 
So their mind was on the food. And they come back and they see, in verse 27, they marveled that he talked with a woman. First of all, it was incredible that he was speaking to a woman alone, whoever that woman was in those days. And then it was doubly, trebly incredible when this woman was a Samaritan. And, and they, but they were so like offended and they didn't even ask him. The woman left her water pot in verse 28, went to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and began to come to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. You see, we have a woman that's ignorant of uh, Jesus' water. But we have the disciples that are ignorant of his food. The woman is ignorant of his water. And the disciples, although they've been following him, are ignorant of his food. He says, I have food to, to eat which you don't know. He just said to the woman, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, if you knew the gift of God... I would give you the living water, but you don't know. So we have the woman who doesn't know about the water and his disciples that don't know about the food. And therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? They're like the woman, aren't they? The woman's like, what, how, are you going to build me a new well? She's thinking naturally. And the disciples are thinking naturally. Well, wait a second. What's he on about? He, they've had, he, he's got food that we don't know about. Somebody... He must have ordered Chinese takeaway or pizza or something that's come and he's eating. He didn't even wait for us. It's a bit bad, isn't it? Or maybe that woman brought him something. And so we have this ignorance of water and food. And let's face it, physically, water and food is the basis of our lives, isn't it? Physically. To be physically ignorant of water would mean death. To be physically ignorant of food would, again, not be very helpful. So what about spiritual ignorance of water? Well, spiritual ignorance of living water would cause spiritual death, eternal death. But what about spiritual ignorance of food? Would that cause eternal death? No, it wouldn't. Isn't it also interesting that Jesus spoke to the woman about water, but he didn't speak to her about food. He spoke to the, not a word about food to the woman. But to the disciples, he began to teach them about food. What's going on here? Well, you're seeing two aspects of God's work in our lives. We're seeing the gift of God is water. The spiritual water is the gift of God. But the food is not a gift. Notice that. The food is not a gift. Jesus said to him in verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Work. Work is the opposite to the gift. A gift is free. You don't work for a gift. Can you imagine if you say, I came to you and said, you know what, I bought you this lovely gift. 
It's a, it's a lovely watch or something. I got a, it's a lovely watch. It's a gift for you. Would you like it? Oh, yes, please. Okay, that'll be 50 pounds, please. You say, I thought it was a gift. Yes, 50 pounds, please. You have to earn it. You have to work to get it. Oh, the food, the water was a gift. Eternal life was a gift. Salvation was a gift. But the food that he's talking about is not a gift. It's a work. And the work is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, while the woman was drinking, Jesus was eating. While the woman was receiving the free gift, Jesus was working. He was doing the will of him who sent me and he was finishing his work. The woman was drinking and getting saved. But the work of giving that gift, that was the food. And there was a satisfaction in doing this that satisfied like the most marvelous meal that you could think of. And Jesus expands on this to the disciples. He doesn't just finish there. He explains the food that he's talking about. My food, verse 34, is to do the will who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white for harvest. Now, imagine the scene. What's going on? The woman who's just sipped of eternal life has gone back to the village. The disciples are with him, but we hear that the, um, that the uh, first 30, they went out of the city to come to him. So you can see there that I've, I've looked at photos of Jacob's well, and, and you can see it there at the, at the bottom of the mountains, and you can see the fields that are around it where they harvest the fields, and then the village of Sychar. And so there they are by the well, and Jesus is saying, I've got food you don't know of to do the will and the work of my father. And then he says, don't say that there's four months of the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. I always thought this spiritually he was saying, look up at the eyes and see the fields. And I guess he was. But also physically, if they looked up the eyes and saw the fields, what would they have seen? They would have seen coming out of the city, the men of Sychar. They were seeing the harvest field coming through the natural harvest field. The harvest field of men was coming towards them from out of the village. And Jesus is saying, look, don't say that the harvest is yet to come. Look up. What do you see? You see those men that are coming? It's white for harvest. And then he shows that there is a reward for this food. This food is rewarding. You ever had a, a meal and thought, that was such a rewarding meal. That was such a wonderful, that was a wonderful meal. And he says, verse 36, he who reaps receives wages. Again, he's speaking in the language of food and work. He's not speaking in the language of water, is he? Do, do you go to Jesus and say, oh, I would love to drink of that living water. Uh, what do I have to do to do it? What work? How many cells do I have to start? Uh, how holy do I have to get? How many sins do I have to repent of? What, what do I do in order to, to, to receive payment of 
living water. You don't do that, do you? It's a free gift. But here, he says, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So this reaping, this work, brings a reward. You earn, you get from doing the will of the Father, you will be rewarded. But I want, you to, I want to make it plain to you, never mix up the food with the water. Keep them separate. Again, when he spoke to the woman, he never mentioned food, did he? Why? Because it wasn't the right time. It was inappropriate to mention the food because he wasn't speaking to her about obligation. He wasn't speaking to her about reward. He wasn't speaking to her at that moment about work. What he was speaking to her was about a free gift to be saved. It wasn't the moment to speak to her about food. But it was the moment to speak to the disciples about food. You see, we need to speak about the gift of God, the living water, to unsaved people. That's what they need to hear. They don't need to hear a bunch of religion about what you have to do to get saved. About cleaning up their act to get into the house of God. About repenting and doing this and doing the other and, and whatever religious uh, manifestation of so-called Christianity in all its forms and traditions. And you can find it in Pentecostalism and Anglicanism. It's all there in a form of religion that says what you have to do to qualify and to earn salvation. It wasn't appropriate to talk to her about food when she was needing living water. But interestingly, the disciples needed to be taught about food that they didn't know about. But isn't it interesting, the woman instinctively did what Jesus had to teach the disciples. It says that she, the woman then left, having drunk, having sipped eternal life and been saved forever with an unquenchable, not unquenchable, but uh, an, un, uh, an inexhaustible supply of eternal life. She couldn't exhaust it. It's grace. It's a picture of flowing grace. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. There's no limit to the grace of God. Well, well shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? No. But you, no, you, you don't sin because you've died to sin. You've been saved from sin. Why would you want to continue to sin when that's what you've been saved from? But nevertheless, where sin abounds, grace abounds. You can't exhaust the supply. One sip and you're saved forever. Praise the Lord. Grace. But, but the disciples had, t had drunk. They, they'd tasted. They'd sipped. They were saved. But he had to teach them discipleship. We find today that the greatest need of the church that have sipped of the living flowing water and been saved for eternity, the greatest need is that the church in general today does not know about the food. They don't know about the food. I think Jesus would say to the church today in the Western world, I have food 
of which you do not know and of which you do not eat. That's what I think he'd say. But this woman, I love it, this woman instinctively began to have the food that Jesus was eating. Come and see. She went into the city and she immediately began. Come and see. A man who told me everything. Could this be the Christ? She immediately began to share the living water with others. She immediately began to do what Jesus did to her. But the disciples did not immediately do that. They needed to be taught and challenged by Jesus about the food. And they were going to have to forget. They were going to have to forget their physical needs for a moment. And we see they did. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. What does that mean? Many of them sipped a drop of eternal life that changed and manifested into a fountain of inexhaustible salvation. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let me give you another picture of what I'm talking about. The water and the food, never, sep- never, sep- never get them mixed up. Never get them mixed up. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can you see there again, you've got the water and the food, haven't you, of John? You've got the flowing water. What's that? It's the gift of God. The gift of God is a living water. And here Paul says, the gift of God is by grace you've been saved. Undeserved grace you've been saved. How? How did you get that grace? How did you drink The waters of eternal life by faith. You're saved by grace through drinking in faith. You believed what Jesus said. You believed the gospel. And it's the gift of God. Not of works. Nothing to do with food. Not of works. But then he says, after that, having established that, the water of living water, the living water, he then says, but, That's not the end. That's the message for the unsaved. But the message for the saved is this. You are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see the separation between the two. The gift of living water. Now, justification by faith, that is living water. 
What is justification by faith? What does that mean to be justified? Well, I always use the phrase that some of you might know. And I say, if you want to know what justified means, it means say it like this, justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. It's just as if I'm not sinning. It's just as if I'll never sin. Justified. It's just as if I'd. It's just as if I'd never sinned, but not just that. It's just as if I'm not sinning now, but not just that. It's just as if I'll never sin again. You see, it's the water of living water that can never, ever run dry. It's dealt with the past. It's dealing with the present, and it's already dealt with the future. You, you can't run out of the waters of salvation, the well of salvation in your life. You can't run out. That's justification by faith. It means that you stand before the, before the Lord and he says, not guilty, because he believes in my son. Jesus takes your place and you stand in his standing. When you're saved, God looks at you and he says, as righteous as my son, through faith. Isn't that wonderful? Justified by faith. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Justification by faith is living water. It can run down. Justified. Past, present, future. It's a done deal. You've already passed from darkness to light. And there's no way back. Hallelujah. That's justification by faith. But you know there's also a justification by works. Anybody here ever read the book of James? James says you're not just justified by faith, but you're also justified by works. You've ever read that? And people get mixed up when they read James. When James says things like, um, faith without works is dead. And can that faith save a man? And people say, well, you see, you have to earn salvation. You have to do something. You have to work out your salvation. Salvation is food after all. James tells us salvation is food after all. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Justification by works has got nothing to do with being saved. Justification by works, what is that? That is doing the will of the Father. And what is the result of justification by works? You become a friend of God. You become a friend of God. You get a reward. That's justification by works. Justification by faith saves you. It's the water. Justification by works, God brings deliverance, reward, and you're known as a friend of God. Look at the examples in, in James. He uses the example of Rahab, who was justified by works. She was already saved. She already believed in the God of Israel when the, uh, um, the spies, thank you, came. She believed. That's why she received she was saved. She's an ancestor of Jesus. Do you know that? And David. She was saved. But in order to be delivered from the trial that, we sh that she was in, and James is all about trials, she had to do certain things. She had to put out that cord. She had to protect them. She had to do the will of the Father. And when she did it, she was rewarded. She was known to be a friend of God and a friend of Israel. What about the other example, the classic example, Abraham? Do you remember when Abraham drank of the living water, if I can use that phrase? He drank of the... When God first came to him, and God said, I'm, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a promised land. And it says that Abraham believed God, 
And it was credit to him as righteousness. In other words, God says, I'm with you. I'm for you. And Abraham just says, I'll take a sip of that. I'll take a sip of that. I don't, I don't really know who you are. You just revealed yourself. I'm, I'm from a pagan background. My dad's a pagan. You know, I, I, you just, I just, I'll have a sip of that, I believe. Just took a sip. And he was declared righteous from that moment. He was justified by faith. He had sipped the living water of his time. Amen? But that wasn't the end of it, was it? Well, it was. He was saved. He was justified. That was a done deal. He was saved forever and a day. But that wasn't the end of it. Then there was food. And what was the food of Abraham? To do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was to walk in faith, to follow the Father. And sometimes he did well, and sometimes he didn't. And sometimes he didn't do the will of the Father. He had his Ishmael after all. But in the end, he did the will of his father, and he had Isaac. But then God gave him a test. Like a test in James. And he said, take that son, take him up on the mountain, and sacrifice him. That's my will. Do it. And what did Abraham do? He ate the food that was put before him. Because Hebrews tells us, by faith, he knew that even if he sacrificed Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. Because God had promised him, in Isaac shall be your seed. So Abraham believed in resurrection and he took his son to the top and he was going to sacrifice him. Why? Because he said, God, it's a strange thing you're asking, but you said that Isaac would bring my seed. So that means if I kill him, you'll have to raise him up again. Romans 4 tells us that Abraham believed in the God that calls those things that are not and brings life to the dead. That was his faith. And when Abraham ate the food of obedience to God, he got a reward. He'd been justified by faith many years earlier when he just took a sip of that water. And God says, I'm going to do this. I, I believe. I take a sip of faith. I believe. And God says, justified by faith, not guilty forever. But then years later, as he ate the food of the will of his father, and, and was prepared to sacrifice. What happened after that? He was known as a friend of God. He was known. He had publicly shown everybody around him that he was a follower of the Lord. He had now become justified by works of faith. His faith was living. Had nothing to do with him getting into heaven. He was already there. But justified by works, what did it get him? Reward. It got him blessing and reward and a friend of God. It's the water and the bread that I'm talking about tonight. Now I'm going to come to a close because we're going to have a time of ministry. So we're going to go back to, to, jo to John's gospel where Jesus said, I have food to eat you do not know of. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. What is God's work? God's work is to make disciples. Make disciples. Well, everything else there is, God's work is to make disciples. And I thank God. We've got a lot to learn in this church and a long way to go. But I thank God we have the opportunities and trainings to do the work of God in making and maturing 
disciples. You can eat the food of God in this church. And this food satisfies. How many people have ever won a soul to Christ? What's it like? What's it feel like? What's it like when, when they give their lives to the Lord? What's it like? I remember the first people I ever brought to, brought to Christ. Two young guys from... Um, it might have even been Spennymore Christian. I, it was one of those mining towns up there. And we had a, like an outreach, a university Christian outreach. Um, and we used to do a youth club with them. They weren't saved. And uh, we, we took them to, a, to Durham and they spent a week with us. We did all sort of activities with them. But some of the people I was ministering with weren't even saved. They, they, believe it or not, they were, there was a couple that were unsaved Methodists. And they weren't being, they weren't being given. See, we're doing everything but giving them the water. <laughs> everything. We were giving them time and friendship and fun. Everything but what they really needed. And all they needed was a sip. And then me and my friend, who's now a canon in the Anglican church, who discipled me. Me and my friend spoke about it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, in, in the morning meeting, I'm going to call a meeting. I'm not going to tell the other leaders. I'm going to call a meeting for everybody that wants to hear about, a message about Christ. To the kids, and forget the other leaders. So we called this meeting at 7 o'clock. We got them in a room. They all came. The other leaders didn't know about it. And I stood up, and that was the first time that God came upon me in power. I can remember it. I just stood up, and I just began to speak the gospel, simple gospel. And they began, some of, some of the men, guys, young guys, 13, 14, began to weep. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they got saved. Oh, they just sipped. They just sipped. And you know what it is. The satisfaction. I felt like from that moment, whatever happened to me, I'd done something worthwhile. And you know what? The reaping hasn't even begun. I'm believing God for a revival. I know it has to start in us. But I'm believing God for a revival. I'm believing God for a landslide. I'm believing for the twos and threes to become the two hundreds and three hundreds, the two thousand, three thousand, two millions, three millions. That's what I'm believing God for. But we need a hunger and thirst for righteousness. We need a hunger for this food. So much charismatic Christianity is unfulfilling because they're eating fast food trash. They're just eating fast food trash. And the thing about fast food trash is the more you eat, the more you eat. It doesn't satisfy. In fact, it makes you feel sick. And so fast food trash, that's what the charismatic thing, everything but. And a lot of the charismatic movement, I'm sorry, but it's true, offers you all the things of the world. I believe in prosperity. I need some. And we need some for the kingdom. And we need some for this church. And we need some for the God. I believe in 100% prosperity. But the way that the charismatics offer it on TV, it's not about the gospel. It's mentioned the gospel. It's about you. And you'll never be satisfied with that food. You'll never be satisfied with what's being offered. The only thing that truly satisfies 
is being a disciple, winning a soul, and making a disciple. Let's bow our heads in prayer. It may be that you're here tonight, and it's your time right now to receive or or to take your sip of eternal life. You say, how do I do that? You just believe. What do I have to believe? All you have to believe in your heart is that Jesus is Lord. He died for your sin, rose again, and is seated at the right hand. That's all you need. What about all this work? Don't worry about the food. Plenty of time to be taught that. Just take a drink of salvation. With every head bowed, if you're ready to take a drink, I'll tell you how you're going to drink it. You're going to do it by faith, but you're going to put that faith into action. You're just going to put your hand in the air. And if you put your hand in the air, you believe in your heart, I'm telling you, you're saved forever. You'll never have that awful feeling in hell like that rich man. But you will have a well of eternal life springing up forever and ever and ever. If that's you in this place today, or if you're watching on the internet, right where you are, lift your hand. Drink and be saved. Lift your hand right now. Yes. Yes, keep your hand lifted up. Just going to pray for you. Anybody else? You've lifted. Yes, you're saved. You just drank like the woman by the well. Anybody else? You just lift your hand. I just want to see it. Yes, up there. Up there. That's right. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Last time of asking. Yeah, see your hand. Last time. Yep, over to the left. Yeah. You just drank. It's a free gift. What? Is it this simple? Yes. All the hard work was done by Jesus on the cross. Dying. All the heart. He did the work to give you the gift. And you've just said yes. And you are saved. It's as simple as that. It's a free gift. And I bless you with that right now. In the name of Jesus. Let's all stand right now. Those of you that lifted your hands, in a few moments, someone's just going to bring you into a room around the back and just give you a gift of a New Testament. We're not going to do anything weird or strange. If you came with a friend, they can come with you. We just want to pray for you, bless you. But the rest of us, we've heard the message too, but Christian's going to come now. Is Let's just open our hearts now for, for ministry. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit ministry. God wants to meet us at our point of need, whether that be a healing or a prophecy or prayer. And uh, let's just believe God right now for something to happen miraculously. Hallelujah. Can we just sing that song, Holy Are You, Lord? Holy is your name. Let's lift our hands and welcome the presence of God. Then we're going to move into a time of ministry. Thank you, Father. Holy are you. 
tonight those people who have breathing difficulties if you have breathing difficulties whether you suffer from asthma or some sort of breathing difficulty or lung disorder I want you to step out of your seat and come on the platform tonight also I'd like to pray for people tonight who also have skin disorders whether that's rashes or some sort of skin that's mixed with the hair as well that you get bumps on the back of your neck that's some sort of disorder there if that's your way to step out of your seat and come on the platform tonight we're gonna pray for you and also tonight, I want to pray for people specifically who have some sort of bowel condition. Maybe you can't go to the toilet properly or you're getting problems with eating. You're not able to eat in the right way for whatever problems there. If that's you, I want you to step out of your seat and come on the platform tonight. I want you to lift your hands. We're going to continue to sing that song, Holy Are You Lord. And I'm going to come and pray for these people. Just bring them all on the platform right now. That's it, Brett. Bring them all on the platform. Let's continue to worship Him right now. Holy eye Holy is your name 
Hallelujah. Now just put your hand on the part that's sick right now. That you believe in God for healing. So if your stomach, put your hand on your stomach, if it's your head, or the, the rashes. Now put your hands forward right now. Just begin to pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Well, I believe tonight as we pray, God is going to bring a change into your lives in the name of Jesus. He's going to correct that which needs to be changed in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray the prayer of faith right now. We're going to believe God. There's going to be an instant change. That rash is going to clear up. That skin disorder is going to be in alignment right now in the name of Jesus. With the healing power of Jesus Christ, we command that skin to be healed right now in the name of Jesus Oh, be, be corrected right now. Be corrected right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, that pain in the bowel right now that's not causing you to eat properly. Command that to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Command that bowel, that stomach to be healed right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. Infection, come out. Come out right now in the name of Jesus. Come out right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, breathing breathing we speak the breath of the holy spirit into your lungs right now in the name of jesus oh we command asthma to come out right now in the name of jesus breathe 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 breath of god breathe breath of god breathe breath of god right now in the name of jesus be healed right now be healed right now receive your healing right now in the name of jesus right now no more be healed right now in the name of Jesus no more in the name of Jesus be healed right now now in Jesus name be healed right now breath of God be healed right now looser right now in the name of Jesus be healed right now Jesus Jesus power 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 healing your condition you have a skin condition yeah on my head it's all psoriasis father right now in the name of jesus we curse this psoriasis into the pit of hell right now command this skin to be healed right now in the name of jesus all itchy feelings and different things like that symptoms we command them to go right now by the blood of Jesus, be healed right now. Be healed right now. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for you tonight. Anyone who's got ankle problems, anyone's got pain in the ankle or some sort of ankle difficulty right now, maybe on the platform. If you haven't been prayed for, come, come forward right now. Jesus, thank you, Father God. power of God power of God healing power Jesus thank you Father Father thank you now pray just just find out what's the problem there and just and then just pray what's, what's the problem with your ankle tonight because, uh, problem my right ankle got a problem with your right ankle how long have you had this problem for about a week do you know how you've done it? No, it's just a bit sore. 
Do you believe Jesus can take that away from you tonight? Yeah? Yeah? Does everybody in here believe that Jesus can fix this man's ankle tonight? Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, we thank you right now, Lord. We commend you for your word. And we thank you for your honesty, Lord, that your word is true, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, let every, every pain, Lord, that has been put upon your back, that's in this man's ankle illegally, come out in the name of Jesus. We release fire right now. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Check it out. Put a bit of weight on your foot. Yeah. Watch it. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Run up. Run. Go for a run. Go for a run. Go for a run. Like, like bounce on it. Bounce up and down on it. Jog, jog. Up and down. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it a bit of pain there? Has it all gone totally? It's better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. It's much better. Let's give the Lord some praise right now. Amen. Hallelujah. This is Mel. Mel, tell us what's wrong with your, your legs. Um, it's a tendon tendon problem and ligament problem on one and a nerve damage on the other. How long have you had that? A year. A uh, year and you, you were on crutches recently. Tell us what happened. I've been on and off crutches the whole year basically. And you're not on crutches right now? Yeah. So I'm happy. I've been saved. You got baptized a couple of, about a month ago. That's right. That was it. That was my save, salvation. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to pray for you right now. Brett, I want you just to put your hands on these, these legs right now. And this has been going on for about a year. And God's been healing him. He's given his life to Christ. He's got baptized. And we do, just want to believe God for that. We want to believe God for the complete healing in Jesus' name. Spirit, soul, and body in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray right now. Father, Lord, we bring Mel right now to you. And we ask you right now that you grant him a miracle. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that this tendon will be healed right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, strength will come to these legs. Strength will come to these legs right now. Muscle return. Muscle return in the name of Jesus. Be healed right now. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a creative miracle. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just check that out. How would you feel now, Mel? Just go for a walk. How does that feel? Yeah, much better. Much better. When you say much better, what do you mean? Just, I'm not so tense. It's a bit loose already. You go up and down the stairs and check out. Thank you, Jesus. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel strong. Tell it. Tell us what's happened there. It just feels looser. I feel more confident as well. Just after the whole thing, I feel more confident. So it feels looser. Stronger within. Feel stronger. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now. Complete your work you've started in Mel. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Now, just cut. Bring those people forward. Where's, where's Dap Dapo? Dapo. Bring him up, get him up on the floor, will you? How are you? What's your problem tonight? 
had an operation on your right? Four operations. So I've been in pain for the past 20 years. You had an operation on your right angle four times and you're in pain right now. For the past 20 years. The past 20 years. We're going to pray for you right now. Adapo, just put, lay your hands on that ankle. Put your hands forward. For 20 years, she's had an operation on her ankle. We're going to believe God right now for a correction in the name of Jesus that there'll be no more pain and that strength and movement will return to this ankle today in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray. Father, we bring this angle to you, Lord God. 20 years, this lady has been suffering, Father, from this complicated um, operation, Lord God. And today, we ask you that you would do your operation in the name of Jesus. And that you would fix this ankle and you put everything back into place that needs to be put in place. Every ligament, every bone, every tissue. In the name of Jesus, we command healing right now in the name of Jesus Father loose her right now the pain that she suffered these 20 years Lord God you would heal her in the name of Jesus heal right now in Jesus name Father we thank you in Jesus name I just begin to move that ankle How's, how is that feeling right now not too bad. What do you mean by that? You're not feeling any pain. You're not feeling. Were you feeling pain when you got on the platform? Yes, feel pain all the time. You feel pain all the time, but there's no more pain then. No. Can you take your shoes off? Someone help the lady. Take the other one off as well. Check out. Just bring the rest of these people on, on the platform. I need to be praying. Brett, if you can be praying. Dapoy, you can be praying. Now, can you go up and down the stairs and check out? Give me your bag. Come back up that stairs. How are you feeling there? Pain. Feel a lot of pain. It's getting loose. It's getting looser. Mm. That's Jesus healing you right now. Just take another walk. So this is the first time in 20 years that this lady has not felt pain in this ankle. In the name of Jesus. How's that feeling? lot better. Is there any more pain? Just a little bit. A little bit. Where is the pain? That pain is going in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Just go up and down the stairs again. How's that feeling? God's, God's completing that, that work. He's given you a new ankle tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just loose your power, Lord, upon this lady tonight. In Jesus' name. Are you, are you, do you come to KT? How long have you been coming to KT? Since 92 on and off. Since 92. Are you part of a cell group? No. You're not in a cell group. Would you like to join a cell group? 
one day, yes. One day. Why do you not want to commit yourself? Because I have another church in. Are you in another church as well? Which church are you in? Um, church in Rislip. Church in Rislip. Well, make sure you're fruitful in one church, amen. God's healing that ankle so you can start walking in the things of the spirit, amen. As well as the things of the natural. And he wants you to keep continuing to move forward, whether that's in KT, whether that's in another church. Continue to move forward with God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise tonight. Hallelujah. the spirit of the Lord's finishing here tonight I believe the Lord has shown me that there's somebody in here with a partially deaf or completely deaf left ear it's on the borderline of completely deaf or partially deaf but there's a strong hearing problem in your left ear and if you're completely deaf in one of your ears tonight I believe that God is here to open your ear tonight is who is that is that somebody in this place that has a deaf left ear a problem with your left ear don't don't hold back can't come quickly tonight if you're in this place if you if you deafen one ear are you responding to that word of this is that you cool brilliant it's been deaf for a while which ear my left one your left ear has not been working for a while yeah, for a couple of um, weeks couple of weeks you yeah, uh, suffered from that before mm, yeah but it comes and goes and also um, it comes but it's, it goes and stuff like that, so yeah right, Brett's gonna pray for you right now God's gonna unblock that ear thank you Jesus thank you Lord that you open the ears the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf signature sign of the name of Jesus Christ in that powerful name above all names I command this ear to open right now release Father God do what only you can do Lord God confound the wise Father God you are the physicians of physicians oh there it is just pop then you are the physicians of physicians the doctors of doctors the living God, there's fire on that, that is burning man, burning hot, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, can you hear me, can you hear that, can you hear that fire before, can you hear 
Can you hear this? Yes, I can. Can you hear it from here? Yes. Could, could you do that before? No. Repeat what he said. Hello. My name is Brett. Jesus is Lord. And he's ruled by Jesus. Give glory to the Lord. Tell him anybody who's got ears. Anybody's got deaf ears. All right. Anyone who's got deaf ears, Brett's going to pray for you right now. We're going to finish with a song tonight. Have you enjoyed this evening? It's been fantastic. We're going to be around on Wednesday night as well. Come down for the prayer meeting. It's going to be a fantastic week. And uh, God bless you guys. If anybody's not in a cell group, you want to get involved in KT, come and see us. If you'd like any more prayer, our ministry team is here at the front to pray for you as well. And if you want Bible school, you need to see Gabriel. Fantastic. Amen.